Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 20th of October 2019. It's hard to look at news today and accept it as actual fact of any kind, in, in a way, because everything's presented in a certain way. In the way, of course, it doesn't matter what you look at or what side of things, there's always sides presented to you to choose from, uh, but they, they eventually merge into the same dialogue pretty well on any particular topic, and it's been that way for an awful long time. And when it merges together, you're left thinking, oh, well, and that, that oh, well, you see, is the proof that you're, you've just been given an opinion and it might not be the true opinion, but you won't know at the time. You just go along with it. Oh, okay, that's the opinion of experts. And, and here we are then. E- even when you, you could disregard what you've just read or been told by, on television, if you watch television, because your own life's experiences living through the same events are completely different. It really is astonishing how we're managed so perfectly well today. I was thinking, too, about, say, Britain at one time. It was much easier, much easier to control the people by leaking the only kind of news that you wanted them to read. So they gave you a left and a right wing, and, of course, that's a trick, again, all down through the ages, in a sense, uh, to get people to motivate in a dialectic uh, technique for change, plan change. The people who are the recipients and who will actually make the changes have no idea that's what it's about. They take sides and, uh, and they're immediately um, kind of militarized into a cause because of it. Uh, they, they believe it. It never dawns on them that you question everything. And I mean everything by everybody. Really. Because it's so important to question everything. There's no one that's infallible here from being conned. No one at all. It's such a perfect system. But years and years ago, say, uh, up, up, to, up until World War II, it was much easier to, to at least give the average citizen of any class a particular type of belief in the nation they were born in, even if a lot of it was kind of bogus or rewritten many times, of course, by conquerors, etc., and nations could at the same time paint themselves with glowing colours because they're so wonderfully good to everybody, even when sometimes they went across the planet and pillaged resources. <laughs> it didn't matter because the average person thinks that's the way it's always been. I mean, you don't, they wouldn't feel guilty about it because they, most of the people didn't profit from it at all. In fact, they paid the bills for it all. It cost a lot of money to go across the planet, uh, supplying armies and and transport of all kinds uh, to get resources moved around. And you're given a kind of fictitious history. Uh, I've mentioned so many times that it's astonishing to go across the world and you'll see pipe bands, like Scottish pipe bands, played in parts of the U.S., or in Canada, and even in the police bands and things like that, as a kind of remnant of this, the beginnings in Commonwealth countries, for instance, of the, the British system. And yet the pipe bands really were, were, were created after Culloden, when 
the Highland Scots, a lot, of the, a lot of the Highland Scots, not all of them naturally, have fought against the British forces, they call it, even a lot of the, the forces were Southern Scots regiments, to support Prince Charles. Prince Charles was the, the young pretender sort of thing, as they called it, because, against uh, the, the takeover of the British crown by William. So it's rather astonishing to see this, this ingrained partial truth and, and, a, and a lot of mythology too. Uh, because, as I say, the Scottish bands as such, like big bands, didn't exist until after that battle, really. They had a few of them for the regiments they created for England. And after Culloden, it was all the regiments played them in the Scottish regiments. Scotland was a, a recruiting ground for soldiers, for shock troops. That's what it was for. But the average Scot didn't know that either, and didn't give them, give them, give them the twentieth century. Uh, they, they, were, they felt proud of these soldiers, even though they had nothing to do with it. You understand? These soldiers of the twentieth century were fighting other wars, and and uh, in the eighteen hundreds too, they've been fighting wars across the world for England. I guess the, the anger, of whatever it was, and the terrible uh, slaughter of Highlanders uh, from Culloden was gradually uh, forced out of the history books for, for a long time. And the, and the clearing, it wasn't just clearing, it was genocide to an extent too for a lot of people, and men, women and children. That, that's the truth of it. And they were forbidden to wear tartan, their, their clan tartans, the local tartans, that was just local really, and or even speak Gaelic uh, for a, quite a long time. And if they were found doing any of that, they were hung immediately without trial, that was it, by the occupation troops. But no time at all, they could recruit all the different young guys that were left and make them proud of it and give them, allowed them to wear a tartan, as long as it was a regimental tartan for the British Army. And that's how the regiments were really formed. And they could speak Gaelic initially too, in those regiments, so they could do both wear tartan and their tartan and speak their language. So history has a, a, a way of altering everything, and even so even making people proud of the the, the the service to this United Kingdom idea that that really didn't flow very well at the, the time leading up to Culloden. And no one trusted London. It wasn't English, it was London. The people, they knew that London was like a breed of people who, who controlled incredible finances across the whole planet based in London. Still is today. Very old families. And, and London was a city-state set up for collecting taxes from all imports and exports. No ship could come up the Thames without paying duties to the city of London. And that's why the, the, the bridges eventually were, were created. That were, they would go up and allow the, the ships to pass through. You couldn't pass through until you paid the tax. So over time, folk forget all that, and they're given a different version of history, of a, of a, a kind of a benevolent type of, of mastership over the people. And you accept that. And the higher the schools you, you go to, uh, the more it's fed to you, that, that you're now joining the ranks of the better type, you see.
and that works up wonders with a lot of people. And from those people, they select the future politicians and people who are willing to compromise with uh, the big, the big world agenda, the big goal. But history, as I say, demands of you your own history, your own time period demands of you that you forget everything that you've witnessed yourself. Don't believe your lying eyes. Uh, here's, the, here's the version you're supposed to accept, even with 9-11. When they kept replaying and replaying on television uh, the, the collapse of buildings into their own footprint, which can only be done with demolition charges, strategically placed, perfectly placed actually. And the buildings, of course, I've never, never answered why those buildings were supposed to be bomb-proofed. It's astonishing, really, isn't it? It really is astonishing. And there's a lot more to it and all than that, too. I won't go into it again. It's, I did it ad nauseum a long time ago. But we're told to forget reality and to accept their reality, even though it's kind of distant, like a myth. And that becomes the truth. The myth becomes the truth. You're told to accept it, that this is the version you're supposed to accept, you see. Because out of the event, regardless of who causes it, comes the aftermath. And out of the aftermath becomes, a, it's actually the continuation of a plan to go across the entire Middle East, you know. I mean, most folk don't know, for instance, as I said before, in other talks that Syria was scheduled for demolishing back in the 1980s, for those who don't know, by the CIA. And it can take time, but they're very patient, the world masters and the revolutionaries, because there's a world revolution going on all the time. And it's not necessarily by those at the bottom with, who've got placards and so on in the streets. No, it's way above that. We're at the very it's opposite end of the spectrum, in fact. What you're living through and those who govern you are part of the revolutionary movement. Uh, the people that you elect are not the bosses. But they certainly do know that, that, to, to do what they're told by those who really suffer them. I'm not, and I don't mean by that the population. The population, as I've said many times before, would have no option if they understood truth. And this is why they gave you democracy and voting, uh, that you're getting plundered and used and abused. In a very more, a, a sophisticated form of slavery, that's the term that's used. That's what Charles Galton Darwin called it in the next million years, his book, non-fiction book. And Charles Galton Darwin, remember, of the Darwin family, was a physicist and in the 1950s, he wrote his book on, on how the world was. And, and, and a few simple little lines here and there, they, they let so much out of the bag. But he said that, that the wild men control the planet. The wild men are those who, who haven't been tamed by, by their indoctrination. They've been given a different understanding of reality from childhood in certain families. And they know how the world really works, and how the human mind really works, and how the populations come to their conclusions. They understand that. They're taught that from an early, early age. They're wild men. 
and being wild men and not hampered by any cultural norms or even religions that get that hamper overt nasty action against the populace. They can do whatever they want. It's like, there's something awfully important to understand here about what I'm saying. The wild men, you're getting presented what, they, what they're trying to tell you are wild men and, and they present them as geniuses to you, but they're not, they're front people too. <laughs> With many, my, oh, big bucks behind them, all right. But you're supposed to follow them because you're taught that they're superior to you and they're more intelligent than you are. And they're not bound by conventional laws and norms and so on. And you're supposed to accept that too. Whatever their unconventional behavior is, that's, that's normal for the too. It must be good. It must be good now, you see. That's how you, and people do. They follow these people like, like they're icons because they're presented as icons. Look at the newspapers. Who they give you to follow. Oh, these super geniuses, they say. And folk, oh, well, I guess they are. No, they're not. <laughs> they're really not. But that's, that's the whole thing. The wild men of uh, Charles Galton Darwin. Unhampered by conventional norms. Now, you've you got to understand that your conventional norms... In a lot of countries, and in the West, it was it used to be from Christianity. It was that was your that was your norm, which gave value to human life, even though they broke it many times, went off to war and killed other human life. It, 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 they still had that basic understanding for for peace within their own borders to make things work. And it kept folk from simply killing each other because you put a lot of folk together as neighbors without law and you watch what happens. When one tries to widen his garden into the next neighbor's lot by a little bit, you know what happens, don't you? But under a common culture that was supposed to be meant to tolerate each other, at the very least tolerate each other and to help each other, that didn't bode well with those wild men, you see, because wild men want to break those rules. In fact, if you followed your old ways, you would have disdain for these characters. In fact, you would see through them and who's behind them, too. You, you would understand that. Because in the religion that you're given, or at least the culture that you came from, which was definitely Christian culture, there's no bones about it, no one was higher than God. And that's something you never forgot. And so you didn't go worshipping people. That was the message there. Don't go worshipping people. And don't emulate them just because they're rich or presented to you as famous or whoever it happens to be. Well, look what happened. The whole war was on and it was, a, it was definitely a cultural war. And there's no conspiracy about it. It's admitted to today. It was admitted to us as well, by the, some of the groups involved. They wrote books about it, what they were doing and why they were doing it. No conspiracy. And with understanding of human beings and behavior and social norms, how we change social norms and get different values to substitute them and so on. Uh, and a mass media all working together with about 20 different heads with, of, of, of huge corporations. It's quite easy to do. And today, it's overwhelmingly easy to do in an electronic age. As I say, up until World War II, 
it, it was fairly easy with, with a limited number of newspapers in every country to control thought and, and give opinions. And there was still a problem back then with old books being around, old books that could get turned up, which would negate the, the, the recent reinterpretation of history and give you a lot of facts that happened in, in the history that the, that's now been thrown out the window. And today, literally with a, a digital age, you're watching history disappear, what's left of it, or being completely reinterpreted. Uh, why would you have to have more and more scholars today, say from in London and Oxford, different places, coming on the BBC with their own TV shows on how it was, with new interpretations of how it was, when, when the closer you, you got to how it was before, surely it's, it's a, as a, a, a more uh, truthful account of what happened. The further you get away from the event and so many changes and changes and changes of reinterpretations, then you've got a completely bogus account of the past and modern times. Because everything today is incredibly hyper-politicized. Viciously so at times. And when I say vicious, I really mean it because you're, you're now into a socialist type of governmental system. Now, socialism sounds good to a lot of people. Of all, it's really to forget the old, what you, what you were taught before, of what, you, what you've always been taught. Well, it's, it's, you get something back from your tax system to help the poor. You have to go well, way beyond that to understand what socialism is. It's everything run by science. Not a deity that gives you rights. But science, which labels you, quantifies you, stamps you, good, bad, in between, whatever. Good citizen, bad citizen, yada, yada. For, for a system, a system that's a collectivist system run by very rich people above it at the top, by the way. Which will manage your life from birth to death. So the idea, you understand, even the poorest folk at one time could live in hell, could live in hell in times of terrible deprivation. And countries like Britain and so on, but they still helped each other out because they didn't have the social work departments back then. They didn't have uh, welfare handouts and so on. And they, they really did depend on each other. They helped each other out at times. So friendships were far, far thicker back then to help each other out. Now when government comes in, there's always a catch. And government will come in and take over your life. We'll help you here, but you've got to comply with this, you see. And it's regimented. Then you're told what to do and where you must go. Etc., etc., etc. And they're degrading means tests. That's what we used to call it, means tests, to, to before they'd help you at all. So socialism, remember, is part of a revolutionary strategy. And under the guise of socialism, or apparent socialism, because many of them, again, were fronts for much bigger operations, like communism. And I've said it before, that the Council on Foreign Relations, 
many of his members have written about it, how they had no problems with communism at all. Carl Quigley said that. And he also talked about the, 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 the ruling groups that studied intensely and intently communism and how, and how it worked on the masses in the Soviet Union and other Soviet bloc countries. And they studied the Nazi organization in Germany, the social, it was National Socialism, intently too, because they thought that, you know, whatever they learn on how to control the masses, which motivates the masses to follow and behave and do what they're told, is important to totalitarian regimes of which are still to come, which we're in today. And true enough, the big banks that run it all, you know, the, the, the big system, put it that way, of the World Bank and the IMF and the Bank for International Settlements and, and your big central banks are all one collective, privately owned. You don't think they're run by the, they're owned by the government or the people. And you can't get shares in them. Yeah. <laughs> That's all spoken for by unknown people. These are the ones who, who want and demand through this international revolutionary force that's been going on for centuries. They demand that, that it runs the world and they decide the, the state of, of the economy in every country and, and the, the, the level of living in every country. They can bring it down so quickly as we're watching today with devaluation of currencies globally, from a central command, and, and through different guises, such as sustainability. And they've already taught, like Besmanov, Yuri Besmanov, who took 15 years at least to get a country ready for a step into deeper, deeper socialism or, or, or dash communism, you can call it what you want, but it's all the same technique a collectivist system where you just obey authorities. And we've already had all that. We've been through it all. We've been through the, the 15 years to 20 years long ago. And we've had another 15, 20 years long ago too. Watching world revolution continue with under the guise of NATO, by the way. <laughs> the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. This, this had troops from France and Britain and the States and a few other countries in Europe, fighting in the Middle East on and off for years and years now. It's a good part of most folks' lives now. And this is for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization that was set up to fight the Soviet or keep, keep the Soviet system at bay up until Margaret Thatcher's time. That's what that was supposed to be about. But we've watched it being used like a, a, a massive army, a smash-and-grab army, going into other countries as they loot oil fields and give it to private corporations and, and so on. We've watched that. We're still watching it happen. And as I say, in the 1980s, they had maps drawn out. And I saw the maps too much later ones, too, with, with when they wanted to go through the whole Gulf there, uh, and it, at the first time. And they had big plans for big corporations and national, nationally uh, orchestrated plans to, to implement huge gas and oil pipelines going all the way from Bulgaria up through different countries and passing through three or four countries across the Middle East. You know, and you think you think it's just suddenly happening because a bad man got into power somewhere. Oh, no, 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 nothing's ever like that. 
there's always some kind of lame excuse given for wars. But there's always uh, the group behind things which will benefit from them, with a collusion of governments on top. And Tony Blair, as I mentioned before, who represented supposedly, he used to far, and quickly was quite right, eventually all parties are doing the same thing. They'll all promise the same things, election, education, work, and so on, you know. Until there's no difference in reality, except the colors they wear for ties or something. Because there's a world revolutionary movement, and the ones at the top are already picked to front for them, these, these revolutionary movements. They're not the leaders of them. So the wild men, that were way, way above it, that Charles Galton Darwin talked about, he says, we must stay in control. And, they, and as I say, they admired the Soviet system and the Nazi system because everybody obeyed the leaders, you see. And they would deprive themselves of all the goodies for all the right reasons, you see, but for the good of the country. So you go, I heard someone in the Green Party say the same thing in Britain years ago. She admired the Blitz and, and the war, World War Two where everybody had to live on meager rations and without complaining, and they were in starvation rations for a lot of folk. For years. <laughs> and she that was wonderful, because everybody obeyed the authorities and did what they were told. And that's exactly why the wild men at the top, they're all want to bring in the same system under sustainability for the planet. Now, again, back to Charles Galton Darwin, he said that slavery has always existed on earth in one form or another. And I suppose it always will. It's astonishing. And Aldous Huxley had, had similar things to say too. Of dominant minorities running the show. A dominant, a dominant minority at the top. A scientific group beneath them running all the show for those who are at the top, the dominant minority, you know. But anyway, you, you, have, you have slavery in one form or another. And it can be so cleverly disguised, you don't know that you are a slave. I don't think people realize that even in the poorest countries, even in, in, in the lower classes of some countries, if you went back 50, 60, 70 years ago and made them live under what's coming down now, what where you're spied upon by your own governments and farmed out agencies and even private corporations given authority to over all the citizens spy, spy and watch them and there's cameras everywhere and everything, every word you utter has been recorded and every every email you sent or text or whatever has been recorded forever and ever eh? by the authorities, the ultimate judges hmm? As they keep prowling about freedoms that you don't have anymore. You don't have the freedoms. You have the freedom to obey everything. And it really means to, the freedom to obey intensely because you won't be able to k- kind of obey or, or some things. A little bit. But no, no, it's everything, including what you think. It's not good enough that you just go along with it like, like Winston and Brave New World. Well, it's not good enough, says O'Brien to Winston, as he's, getting, as he's torturing Winston, that you say it. He says, you've got to believe it. And we're going through all that today. What to believe against your, your common sanity. Many things you've been ordered to believe with a vicious backup by government 
of hate if you don't. So yes, slavery, if this kind of stuff has gone on 70 years ago, when folks still had different belief systems, and they, had, they felt regardless how poor that they had the rights under God, <laughs> they wouldn't put up with this back then, no way at all. But once I've knocked the big pillar out of the way, like Bezmanov said, the first one's religion, because it's a cultural cohesiveness that comes out of it. And it unites you, not just with your present civilization amongst your people, but with previous generations of your own people as well, who all went along the same thing. Continuity had to be utterly, utterly destroyed. Because religion is such a cohesive Thing which gives you far more than just something to believe in It gives you purpose And the purpose of those who went before as well Very important, very strong cultural norms, you see Come out of it And folk are gleefully tossed out the window Because they listen to the the modern academics come out And say, oh, poo-poo this and poo-poo that But then the same academics will tell you When you look at certain things today They'll tell you what to believe, what you're looking at is or else, just like it's about Winston. <laughs> huh? Let me think about that. When folk live in fear of their government, something is very, very wrong. Most folk will drift into it, just like um, they've drifted in before uh, into wars and revolutions. They lived through revolutions, if they lived through it. And, and didn't even see it coming, or, or it's like a dream thing to them, but most will go along with stuff until, until you know, they're penned in and, and their lives are dictated and they'll die off gradually, losing right after right after right. When you are monitored like this, what they used to give us, I've said this before, when you had a country that had to be, had to give you a show, a show of freedom. Like during the Cold War, they'd point to the Soviet blocks. Oh, look at that. You see, boy, we're better than they, these guys over there, you know. But see, all that's gone now, we're told. Because the big runners of all the different sides, and there are, there's a group, there are a few groups that run all sides. And different layers of them, too. They're making all the world the same. So you have no one to point to. I was looking recently at China. And they, they still put out stories, oh, you know, China's just introducing the facial recognition on the internet. I've got a stack of stories here today. The weird doing the same thing here. So why point over at China? You understand? You have no one to point to now. And say, you know, that's the kind of freedom that I want. Because they've all been taken over across the planet. Which was always the intention for world governance, as I like to call it. And the social credit system in China... Is literally full-fledged now. Any little, you know, thing that you utter electronically or other, or otherwise, or verbally and audibly, anything at all, will have you banned and punished from whatever it did just for commenting on something that's not acceptable to the government. And you can't get on a bus. And you can't have privileges. FCMs are privileged, then you see. A long time ago you had rights But now you get privileges That's very, very, very dangerous, folks To what's left of Western civilization And it really is hammered And we're, uh, Like you would I've got, I've got chipmunks running around outside Desperate for food for the winter Those little guys 
and they're so desperate that because they're not cute in that sense, because because they're desperate to live. That that's what they're doing. When they run around, they're looking for food to take and store to, for to get through a winter underground. That's quite a feat, you know. And. Some of them are, are, are ragtagged as well because they'll, they'll strip sometimes the fur off the tails of each other as they, as they scrap with each other all for the food. That's desperation. That's desperation. And towards the end of the year, but now, before the snow hits, they're more and more desperate than ever. They have little scars in their faces and so on and yada, yada, yada. And they have run-ins with squirrels too, which are utterly vicious. They're the big monsters, you see, squirrels. Uh, but but it reminds me, looking at them, too, ragtag, that's how society is today. We're, we're, we've been flayed alive almost through incredible wars, ongoing wars. Our minds are bombarded with so much perfected psychological attacks from humanists and behaviorists and... Psychologists all employed and the behavioral insights teams too, by the way, have given talks on that as well. They are literally the same group that are running the same, same th- things over in China. The dialogue between these groups is incredible. <laughs> and the public haven't got a clue, oh, they're, they're, but they're frazzled. They know everything's wrong, they know everything's going wrong, and they sense something. The economies are stagnant because they're at the end of the so-called free trade thing, which is a one-way street. China was set up by those who already ruled the West and still rule the West to be the manufacturer for the planet. And China, for about 15 years, it could be renegotiated for another 15 years and another 15 years, didn't have to pay any taxes on their imports from the West, not that there's many of them, except for raw materials, initially at least. And yet, they could, they, they could still put taxes on imports of those raw materials. It's a one-way street, stuff all flooding from China now. And it was set up to be that way by the West, by the politicians, and people can't fathom out why their own politicians signed these free trade agreements, because the group that set them all up was the same international revolutionary group that morphed into the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain and the CFR in the States and the other Asian Pacific group as well, based in Japan and Australia and other ones across the world. And that they have one just for the European Union too. That's what they set up. It's the same groups that set up. The founders of them set up the World Bank, the same group. The BIS, Bank for International Settlements. They came up with the central banking system. Remember two Cecil Rhodes and, and Lord Rothschild in his day? They formed part of that group. And Rhodes talks about that in his own, his own will. And it's a revolutionary group. Presented to, to their own particular class is wonderful because they bring a wonder to the whole world of justice. And so. Every tyrant in the world talks of bringing justice and equality to the planet is you lose your rights and lose your rights. And the folk who paid for it all were the peasants of the West, primarily. Think about it. And the middle classes, and now we're getting wiped out. They sat in back did, and did nothing when the peasant class were getting wiped out of their work, 
when all the factories literally were paid, paid by the taxpayers, our own money, to go off to China and get set up there under the free trade deals. And we paid too for any losses they claimed they incurred until they were set up and running. What a deal, eh? And millions of folk across the Western world were left without work. And uh, your rulers were all sit, sat quiet about it all. Huh? And it was all planned in advance. They knew the great mass of unemployment. Oh, we'll have retraining for everybody, yeah, really. For jobs that, that were no longer there that have retraining for you. And then the older folk died off. They lived through the fights against like, totalitarian regimes and communism. They're all dying off and so on. All stunned to it at the end of what the earth is going on. As we go into what appears to be the same kind of system worldwide now. Crisis management, eh? And then the group that had us, the same bunch had us fighting in the Middle East. We know that. The present day, haven't finished yet. There's a lot of folk living today, that's all they've heard their whole life is, is even before 9-11, it was a war in the Middle East, war in the Middle East. Hollywood churned out little stacks of movies with, with very thin plots based in the Middle East with, with the troops there, but it never ever in any of the movies said why they were over there. <laughs> never, it was just taken for granted. You're all, they're, here, here they are. You know. And people will go and vote again for, for supposed freedoms and and parties and people who supposedly represent them. Who's kidding you? I think it's tomorrow, Monday, that Canada votes again. And Canada really has been playing the left wing for, for, for probably since World War Two. Remember the idea for communism too, what the Besmanov said, and many others that, that defected from the Soviet system. They talked about the setting up of a myriad of organizations, starting off with charitable ones. And we know that the charitable foundations or organizations are often funded by the big foundations that fund world revolution. Just like the Rees Commission found about the big foundations in the U.S. Couldn't figure out why they were funding far-left communistic causes. And they set up the Rees Commission, you find out. And they were told it was to so, so change the culture of, of America and it was Canada too, of course, in the West. So much they could basically seamlessly join with the Soviet culture eventually. And that's what's Look around you, folks. It's happened. And with all socialist Soviet-type countries, you got massive bureaucracies. And Besnov said too, then you create lots of different organizations, NGOs, and hundreds, and th- hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And then eventually, you give them status as like authorities. Well, you don't vote for them. And they're all getting paychecks eventually from foundations and often from governments too eventually, huh? through second, third parties and so on, until you're in the same system, only they won't call it the Soviet anymore. And it'll be run by the richest folk on the planet. It is today. And we're here. And the indoctrination methods they have today, as I say, are way beyond the newspapers and the occasional books they gave you in school 40, 50 years ago. Way beyond that. Incredible indoctrination. They actually say that, that, uh, that young, youngsters in school won't have much of a chance of escaping them. They'll be noticed. 
And really, if you're going to be a problem because you're too bright or whatever, you understand too much. Uh, like Lord Russell said, the famous Lord Bertrand Russell, he said eventually that we will pick them, grab them at your school. And if they won't conform and go along with the, with the, the grants we'll give them and put my head in scholarship, if they won't go along with the system that we plan for our agenda, he says, we'll have to annihilate them. Extirpate, etc. No, yes, it's, an, it's his own, own book, because otherwise they could convey to, the, to their own groups back home what's really happening, and they wouldn't allow that. You're, you're in a totalitarian system, and it's got the wonderful technique of pretending you're mentally ill. That's what they did in the Soviet Union, too. I've got articles here about mental health now. Oh, it's, oh, it's wonderful. They're going to get more, more pushes to, to for mental health. This is the Soviet system, because it's not for what you think it is, it's for, what do you think about this, what do you think about that, questionnaires, and, and then you're labelled as something, then you're, you're mandated to have mental health, you know, until you're drugged and zombified like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. The system you're in will only accept you if you become the robot that they're designing for the new world. This is the new world order. Because only then will they feel safe at the top. I'll touch on a few articles because the time's running out already. I wasn't even going to go into the, the diatribe again tonight. I try not to prepare these things because preparation, uh, there's something phony about preparation. And so much of what used to be, used to be, the real free media is completely compromised and turned right back. I came out years ago to try to stop even the Americans from falling into the left and right wing nonsense and to and explain to them and I did and, and they had to really they took a lot of notes on me because they had to suddenly get their leading mouthpieces on the, the different movements inside the US to follow me for a while. I was telling them about all this stuff, the globalism and so on, and the, organi- and the different uh, treaties have been signed and the future for the, uh, and given the proof. And so that they followed me for a while. And believe you me, uh, uh, they, they, everybody tried to win me over, but I tried to stay my own man. No doubt about it. Anyway, I'll touch on a few things here to try to tie it in, perhaps, with what I've been talking about. Smart cities. Now, most folk think they just keep, oh, it's time for, well, what's wrong with having a smart city? Don't forget Agenda 21, Agenda for the 21st Century, the whole century and all the changes that must be implemented and accomplished within this century we're now in. Hmm? And don't forget the different meetings that they have, like 20, 30. These are only part meetings to, meet, to see how far they've gotten with the agenda and their quotas for this, that, and the other. You know? And we go into the whole 21st century. And remember, you've all to get t- be taken off of the country, one way or another, through unsustainability. And to put into cities where you will have no private cars and so on. Remember all this stuff, folks? Hmm? So the big push now is for smart cities. And you think that all came out of just what, thin air? Hmm? So anyway, smart infrastructure EU for Europe. Austria introduces a new intelligence lab for resident-centric smart city development. Put that one up. London Power Sadiq Khan unveils plans for a new green energy company. Again, base for cities, we're going to try to green the cities. And you remember, if you put an animal in a cage, a big cage, or even a fish in a tank, 
He tried to make that tank look as much like a natural habitat as possible by putting seashells and if it's a sea fish and so on and different things. So to make it feel, oh, well, it's the same things when they're putting the humans into the cities en masse and forcing them in there. A lot of, they, they've already had the, 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 all the tests done. Folk behave like animals. They had a wonderful number uh, of, of being cramped together and then all kinds of deviances break out, murders and problems and crime. So you, so how you do it? You try to, for the human animal, try and make it look more pleasant, more green, like a like the countryside that you've just moved them off of, you know. So anyway, London Mayor City can unveil plans to launch a new energy company that will provide 100% renewable electricity and will be exclusively available for households in the capital. There you go. You can also read, too, from other articles that are going to have a lot of brownouts. And so I did that years ago, the brownout agenda, which is published, too, from the UN and, and different uh, companies. And how they were testing it out in Holland, different places too, back in the late 90s into the early, early 21st century. We've all eventually get our taste of that, folks. Restrict energy. The first thing communists do is restrict everything, including freedom of movement. They're putting these green things uh, everywhere in the cities now. Fairmont Line, bus shelters, living roof. Initiative, a living roof initiative. Best men have said this to all kinds of silly things where they throw your tax money in all different places, which puts the debt up and the debt up, but gets people to obey organizations that they don't vote for. That's what it's all about. So it says in the collaboration that, that was used in the making the Fairmount Line Bus Shelter Living Roof Initiative turned three bus shelters into rooftop green spaces near the Talbot Station, it says here. And Boston, there you go. That's what he said. He says, spend money on lots of different things that, that literally are, are useless and worthless, but gets you used to obeying uh, the names, just the names alone of organizations that are the new NGOs. Remember, the Soviet is ruled by councils. Eh? Read NGOs into that. But they all obey the central authority. And then a, a tool, Google, the great the Google organization, the, the World Spy Police, you know, offered in the U.S. to help cities measure pollution and emission levels now available in Europe, it says. And of course, they'll give you all terrible results everywhere you live until you don't have any cars at all. And if you're, if you're, if you're going to have shortages of electricity, remember, do you really believe you can all change to electric cars and charge your cars at the same time? Do you really? How silly and dumb are you? New urban forest officer named to manage Canopy City is home to the nation's largest urban forest. Make it look more like a, a, the greenery of, of natural countryside when you cram all the folk into the cities. Eh? So Los Angeles has a city forest officer. Did you vote for a city forest officer? Of course not. But Rachel Malrich, appointed last month by Mayor Eric Garcetti to the new post, which was created to oversee the growth of Los Angeles urban forest and help the city reach its goal to plant 90,000 trees by 2021, part of Agenda 21, and make it look more habitable for the animals, eh? you know, the human animals. UK's first purpose-built smart city operating system deployed in Hull. There you go. So England's northeast coast, Kingston-upon-Hull, will become the first city in the UK to benefit from its own purpose-built smart city operating system, OS. 
There's another OS, like OS from last week, <laughs> Wizard of OS, that would connect essential council services and centralise information from multiple sources that can be analysed and used to promote a better quality of life for residents, you know, for the, for the animals there. So it's for a partnership with Internet of Things. Oh, there you go. Technology developer connects and to deliver the city OS platform. There you go. Again, spread all these different organizations and give official titles to private corporations and companies and so on. They eventually become part of the governance of you. Isn't that wonderful? And you don't vote for any of them. Hmm? But you'll pay for them all. <laughs> It's impossible with all the NGOs and groups and so on that they're appointing all the time for years and years and years. Even your government has lost track of them, who they all are. It's not important. It's only important that you start to obey them all because there's a central management way above government for all of this. And then nearly 100 city mayors announced support of Global Green New Deal at the C40 summit. Isn't that wonderful? Now, do you... Do you Go along with all of this kind of thing because your mayors have announced support of a global Green New Deal. So the 94 city mayors from across the world have committed to a global Green New Deal. Well, I don't vote for these folks. And recognize the climate crisis. Well, I don't care what their personal opinion is. They're entitled to have a personal opinion, but they have no right to make laws over us. These mayors don't, not for this thing, a global thing like this. No, no. Why are they called local mayors for? Local, huh? But here they're for Global Green New Deal. So they're attending the C40 World Mayor's Summit. So what's the point in having votes for national uh, politicians? eh? What's the point? Everything's been subverted, you see, by grafting on these. And these characters, too, are well-paid, well-funded for what they do. I've never met any politician or mayor yet that doesn't have a psychopathic tendency. That's how they get on. That's how they're picked, actually. Not by you, either. They're picked by folk way above them. Way above them. Car-free zones introduced around six Glasgow primaries, eh? So a trial of car-free zones that will improve road safety at six Glasgow primary schools begin for the first day of new school term, etc., etc. All Agenda 21, we're talking about Agenda 21. Oslo is the latest city to make its central zone car-free, though some die-hard drivers and business owners have been sceptical. The benefits are substantial. So there's your opinion right there. The benefits are substantial, says Christine Rowe, whoever Christine Rowe is. That's how, it's, that's how it's given to you, like a diktat. These are diktats, folks. It's like orders from councils way above you. So the benefits are substantial. News is supposed to give you real true facts and let you make your mind up where you accept the outcomes or, or where it's supposed to go or whatever. When's the last time you saw that? In late 2016, Madrid's mayor, Manuelo Carmena, reiterated her plan to kick personal cars out of the city centre. Isn't that wonderful? Agenda 21, Agenda 21, eh? Mm-hmm. And you think it's all happening by itself. And transport officials voted Tuesday to ban private cars from Market Street East from 10th Street to Stewart Street, a move that the project's leaders said will make the key downtown thoroughfare safer for pedestrians and cyclists while improving transit services. San Francisco, eh? There you go. 
Wonder, isn't that wonderful? And then you have American summer accounts using facial recognition, just like China technology, to send updates of happy kids to parents. Isn't that wonderful? Eh? Always get the children. Who got the one think? Children depend, like any mammal, look for the adults to warn them of things. And unfortunately, their parents, if they even have parents now, or two, will think nothing about it. It's a happy little thing, yeah. Facial recognition. Then it's facial recognition to get through a school. Then it's facial recognition to, for everything you do in school, even to apply for an exam, etc., etc., etc. Australian governments continue expanding use of facial recognition. Is planned to trial facial recognition technology for enforcing bans on purchasing alcohol. Oh, it's, just, it's just for purchasing alcohol. It's going to start that way by certain individuals, the West Australian reports. I've never seen a, a, a system yet that the police had never said yes to when it comes to it. Of course, because it's all part of the feeding it into the society until you can't turn around or even get into a bathroom without your feet. Well, maybe, though, I don't know. But it says here, another one too. Facial recognition is blossoming field technology that is once exciting and problematic. Oh, it's so exciting. I, mean, I never even thought about it getting excited over that, did you? If you've ever unlocked your iPhone, it's, and it, it says by looking at it, or ask Facebook or Google to go through an unsorted album and show you pictures of your kids, you've seen facial recognition in action. Wow. Where you want it or to or not, facial recognition, something's called simply face recognition, I love to talk down to you, is it? Is poised to play an ever-growing role in your life. Your face could be scanned at airports or concerts with or without your knowledge. You could be targeted by personalized ads. Thanks to cameras at shopping malls, facial recognition has plenty of upside. It's all it's a happy thing, eh? The tech could help smart home gadgets get smarter, sending notifications based on who it sees and offering more convenient access to friends and family. So this is part of a CNET special report. There you go. But it says, but at the very least, facial recognition raises questions of privacy. Experts have concerns ranging from the overreach of law enforcement. Who's experts? There's nobody more expert in this than what every one of you out there that's going to be, is going to be photographed and watched. You're the experts, folks. You don't need, you don't, you don't need experts to tell you this. Experts are paid to get to go along with things. And so on. But anyway, as I've seen an article telling you about the problems, about privacy and so on. And what, it, what there really, 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 really is. Biometric authentication. And then you have France become first EU country to use nationwide facial recognition ID app. I wonder if that'll, that'll go with the Antifa with their masks on. I mean, I guess they get away with it, probably. And the first public schools in the U.S. will start using facial recognition next week. What a coincidence across the whole world at the same time of the articles. And, oh, just coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> then Toronto police have been using facial recognition technology for more than a year. It's been a lot longer than just a year, folks. The article's out before, on it? And uh, it's just astonishing, really, eh? Ah, yeah, 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 and the money it costs, the money, but we're paying for it all, we pay for our, our chains, we always pay for our chains, folks, and it's always salty, it's a wonderful thing, I, I don't know an, a dog from a puppy, when you show him a leash and a collar, runs up to you to have you put it on for the first time, it's going to run away the opposite direction, but with people, 
huh? With people. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be wonderful. It's, come and let them all watch you everywhere you go, everything you do, your posture, everything about you. But lost our natural natural reactions to things because it's sold with incredible marketing powers with specialists in in the mind. And then a landmark hearing finds use of facial recognition technology lawful. Oh, I am surprised. So the High Court has ruled in favour of the South Wales Police to allow the continued use of automated facial recognition, the controversial technology which enables mass crowd surveillance in response to judicial review heard May by local man Ed Bridges. Another article too is about smart cities. What are they? And it goes into implementation of IoT devices and sensors and various things all connecting together for precise targeting or solving specific problems. Isn't that wonderful? Hmm? Y'all got this uh, a say in this, didn't you? And it says the technology, the idea for it, right, supposedly came from Bill Clinton through his philanthropic organization, the Clinton Foundation, in 2005. And he supposedly urged Cisco Systems to look into developing a system of network sensors and data centers to make the cities efficient and productive. Isn't it wonderful to get all these big foundations that gave us communism and socialism and internationalism, the end of borders, and, and yet you didn't get a vote on any of it? Hmm? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it sweet and wonderful our masters are? Well, it's only that because you're not letting on the plan, folks. You see, you don't have rights. You don't have a world of your own or a country of your own. You're managed by the world masters, obviously. And it's a very old organization. Very old. Very, very old. As I mentioned before in Article 2, CIA top secret file, the U.S. war in Syria plans since 1983. Isn't that wonderful too? Uh, it's quite quite amazing what we're living in, you know, quite amazing. And most folk don't know; they never know. They really don't know. From Locksley Hall, Alfred Lord Tennyson, eighteen forty-two. All these famous folk, people who made famous, you had to read in school and so on, were actually revolutionaries and working for the World Revolutionary Party. See, if you work for them, you're, you're well compensated. They make you famous. Why do you think certain actors and actresses and what they put forward as geniuses of music, for modern music, why do you think they're paid so much, folks? Hmm? In all ages. Hmm? For I dipped into the future far as human eye could see, saw the vision of the world and all the wonder that would be till the war drum throbbed no longer and the battle flags were furled in the parliament of man, the federation of the world. There the common sense of most shall hold the fretful realm in awe and the kindly air shall slumber, lapped in universal law. Hmm. There you go. It's quite amazing that even President Truman used to read that at the beginning of his, his, his speeches. This world revolutionary group. So there you go. The Federation of the Worlds, 
the universal law, sometimes called the brotherhood of man. And you've got to understand that they have, they have different definitions of what man is and all the rest. That's <laughs> quite something, folks. Words are awfully important, aren't they? And sometimes they're, they're more important when you just speak them instead of getting caught up in the spelling. And then you can see a different way, too, if they didn't start spelling. Why do you think they call them spell? Hmm? They cast a spell. Anyway, that's all I can tuck in for tonight, I think. And I'll get this uploaded in a little while. Remember, you can help me keep going by donating to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Keep well, all of you, especially those who, who really are interested in what's really going on, not just the, all the politics, all this left-right nonsense that Quigley said would be, all become the same and has become the same since the 1960s at least, because that's how we're managed. Otherwise, you'd have to have revolutions if you really understood what was going on and <laughs> you couldn't vote. You always vote the the, 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 the last rotten lot out of office to get the next hopeful lot in, and then you vote them out next time. That's This is the con game that they go on with, because the big agenda, they all sign updates to the integration of the same world agenda, regardless of what party you're presented with to vote for. For myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you. <laughs>